Welcome, and thank you for joining us for today's CME podcast. PrimeMed podcasts are dedicated to providing on-the-go clinicians with pertinent, evidence-based primary care content that won't take too much time out of your busy schedule. Information about CME credits and faculty for today's podcast can be found within this activity's landing page on primemed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Be sure to also go to this location in order to claim your CME credits after the program. Thank you and enjoy. Hello, my name is Vicki Wren and I'm an assistant professor of dermatology at Baylor College of Medicine. My talk today is called Dermatology A to Z, a refresher for primary care, and I hope you find it both interesting and informative. I have no disclosures and the objectives of this session are to describe the clinical features of select common dermatologic rashes and neoplasms, to offer suggestions for initial treatment and management of these rashes and neoplasms, to identify when to refer patients to dermatology for these rashes and neoplasms. Case number one, a 15-year-old girl presents with open and closed comedones and rare erythematous papules and pustules scattered on the face and upper back with no scarring. The patient has acne, which is a clinical diagnosis. A common initial treatment regimen consists of tretinoin 0.025% cream nightly, clindamycin 1% lotion daily, and over-the-counter benzoyl peroxide 5% wash once a day. Given the dryness and irritation associated with tretinoin, advise the patient to start with every other night or less frequent use, then gradually increase to nightly use as tolerated. Apply moisturizer on top to minimize irritation. The concentration may eventually be increased to 0.05% or 0.1% based on the patient's response. If tretinoin is not covered by insurance, over-the-counter adapalene 0.1% gel, which was previously a prescription retinoid, is a good alternative. Because benzoyl peroxide bleaches clothing and towels, advise patients to consider using it in the shower. Leave on for 5-10 to 10 minutes, then rinse off thoroughly and dry off with a white towel. It takes three months of strict adherence to topical therapy to achieve maximum benefits. For women, off-label spironolactone ranging from 25 mg daily to 100 mg twice daily may be of benefit. For both men and women, antibiotics, most commonly minocycline or doxycycline 100 mg once or twice daily, can be considered for more inflammatory acne. Advise the patient to self-taper once improvement is noted, with the goal of coming off the antibiotics completely. Refer to dermatology for consideration of isotretinoin if the patient is needing oral antibiotics for more than three months, has extensive inflammatory acne, or has scarring from acne. Case number two, a 20-year-old man presents with coin-shaped patches of non-scarring hair loss on the scalp and beard area. The patient has alopecia areata, which is typically a clinical diagnosis. Pitting of the fingernails may be seen as well. Alopecia areata can be seen in association with other autoimmune diseases, such as autoimmune thyroiditis. Spontaneous regrowth of hair may occur. Refer to dermatology if the patient desires treatment with intralesional steroids. High-potency topical steroids, such as clobetazole 0.05% solution, may not be adequate. Case number three. A 20-year-old woman with a history of allergies and asthma presents with itchy, scaly, erythematous patches and lichenified plaques on the face, hands, anticubital fossa, and legs. The patient has atopic dermatitis, which is typically a clinical diagnosis. Start treatment with topical steroids and topical calcineurin inhibitors. 
Clobetazole 0.05% ointment or a similar high potency steroid may be used on severely affected areas of the body twice daily for three weeks. Side effects of long-term use include skin atrophy and hypopigmentation. Avoid use on thin-skinned areas such as the face, groin, and axilla. Triamcinolone 0.1% ointment or a similar medium potency topical steroid may be used on moderately affected areas of the body twice daily for three weeks. Limit use on the face, groin, and axilla to one week. Avoid the eyelids. Hydrocortisone 2.5% ointment or a similar low potency topical steroid may be used on mildly affected areas of the body, including the face, groin, and axilla twice daily for three weeks. Limit use on the eyelids to one week. Tacrolimus 0.1% ointment or Pimecrolimus 1% cream, a topical calcineurin inhibitor, may be used twice daily on the eyelids and other thin-skinned areas without fear of skin atrophy or hypopigmentation. Patients may initially experience a burning, stinging, warm sensation upon application. Recommend short 5-10 to 10 minute showers once a day using lukewarm water. Hotter, longer baths or showers lead to drier skin, which results in increased itchiness. Moisturize with plain Vaseline petroleum jelly or a moisturizing cream such as CeraVe, Aveeno Eczema Therapy, or Vanocream at least twice daily if not more often. Advise the patient to avoid scented colognes, fragrances, soaps, and detergents. Refer to dermatology if eczema is, ad in is inadequately controlled with topicals and strict adherence to sensitive skincare recommendations. Case number four. A 30-year-old woman presents with pruritic purple polygonal papules on the flexor wrists and forearms, dorsal hands, shins, and presacral area. Asymptomatic fine white lacy lines are noted on the buccal mucosa. The patient has lichen planus, which can be diagnosed clinically and confirmed by biopsy. There are many variants of lichen planus, some with a better prognosis than others. Squamous cell carcinoma may develop in long-standing lesions of some forms of lichen planus, particularly erosive oral or genital lichen planus. Common culprits of drug-induced lichen planus include ACE inhibitors, beta blockers, anti-malarials, TNF-alpha inhibitors, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, and diuretics. It may take weeks to months for the rash to resolve after cessation of the offending medication. Hepatitis C has been associated with oral lichen planus. Spontaneous resolution of cutaneous lichen planus may be seen in up to two-thirds of patients after one year, but oral, mucosal, and erosive forms are often chronic. Initiate treatment with topicals as described in case three and refer to dermatology. Case number five, a healthy 15-year-old boy presents with mildly pyritic, scaly, salmon-colored patches on the trunk. The rash started with one expanding patch on the abdomen, then smaller macules and patches developed on the rest of the trunk and proximal extremities. He denies any preceding ill symptoms. The patient has pityriasis rosea, which is often diagnosed clinically. However, the rash can mimic secondary syphilis, so consider checking RPR if risk factors are present. Pityriasis rosea most commonly affects healthy adolescents and young adults. The cause is unknown, but has been hypothesized to be associated with HHV7, as some patients experience a mild prodrome. There is a questionable association with spontaneous abortion if it develops within the first 15 weeks of gestation. Reassure the patient that the rash is benign and usually resolves after six to eight weeks. Symptomatic treatment of pruritus can be achieved with topical steroids as described in case three. Refer to, derm to dermatology if the rash persists for more than six to eight weeks. Case number six, a 35-year-old man presents with erythematous silvery scaled plaques symmetrically distributed on the elbows, knees, lower back, and scalp. 
He denies morning stiffness or joint pain. The patient has psoriasis, which is often a clinical diagnosis that can be supported by biopsy. The cause is multifactorial with both genetic predisposition and environmental triggers playing a role. Exacerbating factors may include infection, hypocalcemia, stress, medications such as lithium, beta blockers, antimalarials, and rapid steroid tapers, obesity, alcohol, and smoking. Patients are at an increased risk of cardiovascular disease, metabolic syndrome, and non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, so routine physicals and healthy lifestyle counseling by the primary care physician are necessary. Initiate treatment with topicals as described in case 3 and refer to dermatology. If cutaneous involvement is limited but the patient has symptoms concerning for psoriatic arthritis, consider referring to rheumatology as well. Case number 7. A 40-year-old woman presents with telangiectasias and erythema of the nose and cheeks in association with papules and pustules on the central face. The patient has rosacea, which is a clinical diagnosis. Rosacea may involve a combination of redness and flushing, papules and pustules, thickening of facial skin due to an overgrowth of oil glands, and eye irritation. Advise the patient to avoid common triggers. These include heat, sunlight, emotional stress, alcohol, and spicy foods. Start treatment with metronidazole 0.75% cream twice daily. If the patient has many papules and pustules, bimatous skin changes, and or ocular involvement, add on doxycycline 20 mg twice daily or 40 mg once daily. Most medical treatments, including the aforementioned, do not address the background erythema. Refer to dermatology if control is inadequate. Case number 8. A 35-year-old man presents with white scale throughout the scalp, as well as occasionally greasy scale around the eyebrows and nasolabial folds. The patient has seborrheic dermatitis, which is a clinical diagnosis. This is a common chronic skin condition with a genetic predisposition, but yeast may play a role as well. There is an increased incidence in patients who are immunosuppressed or have Parkinson's. Start treatment with ketoconazole 2% shampoo three times weekly. Leave on the scalp and other affected areas for 5 to 10 minutes before rinsing off. Ketoconazole 2% cream can also be used twice daily. Appropriate topical steroids such as clobetazole 0.05% solution for the scalp and hydrocortisone 2.5% cream for the face may be used as needed for flares. Case number 9. A 60-year-old man presents with brawny purpuric discoloration of the bilateral lower legs. He occasionally gets itchy, scaly patches on the legs, which intermittently swell. The patient has stasis dermatitis, which is often a clinical diagnosis. Stasis dermatitis results from poor venous return leading to chronic edema and stasis changes. Minimize leg swelling by advising leg elevation and compression stockings if the patient does not have arterial disease. The eczematous patches and plaques may be treated with a medium-potency topical steroid, such as triamcinolone 0.1% ointment. Unfortunately, this tends to be a chronic problem. Case number 10. A 50-year-old man with diabetes presents with scaly annular patches on the buttocks, groin, and trunk. He also has thickened yellow dystrophic toenails with subungual debris, scaling of the plantar and lateral feet, as well as maceration between the toes. The patient has tinea cruris, tinea corporis, onychomycosis, and tinea pedis. This is typically a clinical diagnosis that can be confirmed with potassium hydroxide scraping, nail clipping for histology, fungal culture, and or biopsy. If there is no nail involvement and skin involvement is limited, the patient may prefer treatment with an allylamine, such as over-the-counter butenafine 1% cream twice daily. 
For nails, topical therapy is unlikely to lead to resolution. Oral terbenafine 250 mg daily for three months is most commonly used for the treatment of onychomycosis. However, it takes six to nine months and 12 to 18 months for the new fingernails and toenails to grow out, respectively. Treatment may not work. Even if it does, reinfection is not precluded. Advise patients to wear socks with shoes to keep their feet dry and to avoid going barefoot in wet areas. Case number 11. An obese woman presents with pedunculated skin-colored papules around the neck and axilla. The patient has acrocordons, skin tags, which are a clinical diagnosis. Skin tags are associated with friction, for example, skin, clothing, or jewelry rubbing against skin. It's also associated with being overweight and insulin resistance. Case number 12, a 40-year-old woman presents with red papules scattered on the trunk and extremities, increasing in number with age. The patient has cherry angiomas, which are benign blood vessel growths. These are diagnosed clinically. Case number 13, a 60-year-old man presents with stuck-on macules and barnacle-like crusty papules on the face, trunk, and extremities. They have increased in number with age. The patient has seborrheic keratoses, which are benign maturity spots correlated with aging. These are diagnosed clinically. Sometimes these lesions may become irritated, in which case they may be electively treated with liquid nitrogen. Skin tags, cherry angiomas, and seborrheic keratoses are all benign skin lesions, which require no further treatment. Apart from an irritated seborrheic keratosis, removal of such lesions is considered a cosmetic and therefore not covered by insurance. Pricing varies among dermatology clinics and providers. Regarding skin tags, common methods of removal are snipping with scissors or freezing with liquid nitrogen, both of which may be done in a primary care setting. Case number 14. A 40-year-old Caucasian long-distance truck driver presents with a pearly pink telangiectatic vocally eroded papule on the nose and an ulcerated tender nodule on the left forearm. Also notable on the face, scalp, and helices are rough scaly macules that are more easily felt than seen. The patient has a basal cell carcinoma on the nose, squamous cell carcinoma on the left forearm, and multiple actinic keratoses on the head. Biopsy of suspected basal and squamous cell carcinomas for diagnostic confirmation followed by definitive treatment is needed. Actinic keratoses, a very small percentage of which may evolve into squamous cell carcinoma, are typically treated empirically, most commonly with liquid nitrogen, topical 5-fluorouracil, or photodynamic therapy. Biopsy of actinic keratoses may be performed to rule out squamous cell carcinoma. Basal and squamous cell carcinomas are the most common skin cancers. They tend to grow slowly and typically do not metastasize. Depending on histologic features and anatomic location, treatment is most commonly either surgical or topical. Patients with suspected basal cell carcinomas, squamous cell carcinomas, and actinic keratoses should be referred to dermatology. Advise patients to wear broad-spectrum sunscreen or sunblock that is at least SPF 30. Apply 15 minutes before going outside and every two hours thereafter, more frequently if sweating or participating in water activities. Protective clothing and avoidance of sun during peak sunlight hours are beneficial as well. Case number 15. A 40-year-old Caucasian woman with a history of tanning and multiple sunburns as a child presents with an irregular, unevenly pigmented black and brown patch on the left thigh. The patient has a melanoma. Biopsy of suspected melanomas for diagnostic confirmation followed by definitive treatment is needed. Melanomas are less common than basal and squamous cell carcinomas. However, they are more aggressive and more likely to metastasize. 
Although they can develop from existing moles, melanomas can also arise de novo. Patients with a family history of melanoma, an extensive history of tanning or sunburns, and many moles are at greater risk. Refer patients with suspected melanomas to dermatology. Advise them on sun protection as for basal and squamous cell carcinomas. In general, worrisome signs for skin cancers are a lesion that has changed significantly in shape, size, or color, a lesion that is symptomatic, for example, bleeding or painful without any manipulation, an ugly duckling lesion that looks different from all other lesions on the patient's body, a sore that does not heal with plain petroleum jelly. Plain petroleum jelly has both wound healing and moisturizing properties, whereas over-the-counter antibiotics such as neomycin, polymyxin B, bacitracin are common culprits of allergic contact dermatitis and can inadvertently exacerbate a rash or a lesion. This concludes my session. Thank you so much for joining me. I've included several reference text, color atlas, website, and mobile application recommendations, which PrimeMed will be making available on their website. So please take a look at those as well. We thank you again for joining PrimeMed for today's podcast. Remember to claim your CME credits for the program on this activity's landing page on primed.com podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Also, be sure to check out all of our other podcasts and primary care activities on primed.com as well. See you next time.